You're listening to Scratch and Sniff Online with Nick Randall. Our very special guest on the SNS Shays Long today simply could not be contained in one show. So we've given her two. An extraordinary story of triumph over tragedy, stage and screen success from Man of the Top to Me and Jezebel, and travel from Melbourne, Australia to Metabilis 3. Uh, that's a planet, by the way. She's an actor, writer, director, presenter and interviewer, and her energy knows no bounds. And in this, the 50th anniversary of a worldwide phenomenon called Doctor Who, she's more in demand than ever, both with her recollections of the original series and of working with the current Doctor himself, Matt Smith, in the Sarah Jane Adventures. They want you and Joe. This whole thing's a trap. I knew it. If they're lying, that means the Doctor's still alive. Yes! Of course I'm still alive, Joe. I'd have thought that was obvious. Catch up. I beg your pardon? Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together and give it intergalactically up for my special guest today, the unstoppable Katie Manning. Katie Manning, welcome so much to Scratch and Sniff Online. This is Scratch and Sniff. Scratch and Sniff. I didn't know I was agreeing to that. (laughs) (laughs) I thought those days were over. Well, (laughs) what can I say? That's what the show is called. What a lovely name. I like that. And uh, for the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, I think we're indulging ourselves a little bit this year. We've had Louise on, Louise Jameson, and uh, there might be more in the offing because, um, you know, Doctor Who is big business, isn't it? I mean, it it never seems to leave you after all these years. It's just so gobsmacking. I mean, (laughs) Excuse me, I'm I'm stripping all my jewellery off because... Oh, please strip your jewellery off. 300 rings and... Is it true that one of those rings was bought to you by John Pertwee because you stopped biting your nails? That's almost right, but not quite. You see, they're misquoting you again, aren't they? Uh, They do because I go at 90 miles an hour. (laughs) And sometimes I'm a bit naughty and I tease people and they don't realise I'm being naughty. You can tease Um, me as much as you like, Casey. (laughs) What it is is that I used to bite my nails. Well, I still would. Right. um, If I didn't stick false ones on. Okay. (laughs) Um, But that's there's another story behind that. I'll give you a quick... uh, We'll do the rings and then we'll get on. (laughs) Um, You know, we'll get over that bit. Anyway, so John decided, because I loved rings and anyway, mm. and I want to think, and he bought me several rings, in fact, and one I still have, the rest I've actually auctioned off for charity. Okay, well, well that's... Um, but rings are still my thing. Mm. And he bought me, because the heavier my hands were, mm. the harder it was to lift them to my R- mouth right. to bite my nails. <laughs> <laughs> And well, that's that makes the truth sense of now. You see, the stories are always more extraordinary than people dare to print. Yes, yeah. And then one day I decided, because I was sort of biting these little creatures here, isn't it weird eating ourselves? Anyway, oh, bizarre. and so I stuck some false ones on and I had to okay. do this piece of escapology with him. Oh, right. Which was one of the few things that I apparently could do. Yes, yeah, sea devils, wasn't it? One of those? Oh. Oh, I've got called nose, one of those. Don't ask. Yeah. I'm, I'm dealing with, you know, Some I'm only, monster. I can't even remember where I was five minutes ago. <laughs> um, oh, yes. <laughs> yes. In the arms of a lovely man. Yeah. No, and and then when the camera pulled back, right. all my nails had come off and oh stuck God. to John's velvet oh, no, no, jacket. No. It was a, quite a moment. <laughs> <laughs> so that was... <laughs> now, no, those are the sort of scenes I want to see. <laughs> oh, there were plenty I, of those. I, I want to see those outtakes. <laughs> 
Now, before we actually properly start, I just I, I do feel that I need to gush. Just allow me two minutes. You can have a little gush. Can I have gush for just you the two minutes? You can have a big gush. Because I, I spoke to Elizabeth Sladen once and she said, darling, gush away. She was quite happy about that. I'll stop you when it starts to get a little, you know, oh, disturbing. OK. Oh, OK. okay. No, I mean, from the age of seven, I think, that's probably your most formative time when you're watching the TV and it makes such an impact for you. Now, I was born in 65, so when you started this, Joe Grant... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just picking myself up off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I um, forgot I was this old. Matron said I should have been home ages ago. <laughs> but, you know, from the age of seven onwards, we had 26 episodes a season, I think, and you were there for three years with John Pertwee. John Pertwee, the most electric doctor you could possibly imagine in terms of his performance. You just were glued to the screen. And you were the most adorable, loyal companion. The doctor's best friend that had such a, an anchor with units, which quite rightly, Russell T. Davis took that template and adapted it for the modern era. So you had Billy Piper's character, you had the family, and that link back to the normal, which makes the extraordinary more extraordinary. And I've, I've even got a little book, which I'll show you later, which I wrote my little news and stories when I was seven years old. Oh, and that's there's, so sweet. There's, there's stories with, with Joe Grant and Doctor Who and the Master and the Daleks and there's Ghosts and everything. I love And I, I have, to, have to read them out to you later. I want to hear it, them. Yes, I, 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 I promise you at the end of the show um, we will read those. But thinking about your performance as well, I mean, looking back on some of the old stories, I, I think with, say, somebody like Elizabeth Sladen, who was absolutely pitch perfect, I see you both absolutely up there. But with your performance, it's very instinctive. There's a different instinctive, almost like raw quality to your performance, which just absolutely makes me believe it's still in that the character. Same today. I still go out there on a wing and a prayer. <laughs> but, but in all the different things I've seen you in, playing uh, Betty Davis in your one-woman show, which was fantastic, there's a real truth in your performance, which just makes me believe it. I mean, that, that is the sign of a, of a wonderful actor. Well, if I mean, you have to believe it so... Yeah. So strongly. I mm. mean, it's like when you're multi-voicing, which um, I do a lot of. Right. Um, and I don't do them in layers. Like some people, when they multi-voice, Vols? Vols? You yeah. want the vaults with me, <laughs> Matilda? <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> that's a little bit of Aussie creeps back in every now and oh, again. Oh, I love the accents, my G'day, darling. Bazza. Uh, <laughs> Bazza Crocker. <laughs> yeah, my Bazza boy. Um, but there, there's that thing that... People would say, oh, well, we'll do that voice. And we'll do, you know, when I played the 10-year-old girl in a cartoon series called Glorious House and everything. Wow. And I played her mother and, and so on. And yes. I played the four-year-old brother. And, well, you've yeah. heard me play a four-year-old. Yeah, yeah. It's a little it was, scary, but, no, you know, it's, hey. It's great. Um, but it, what you have to be able to do that. You have to be so into that moment because each person has a different emotion, mm. a different, you know, when it, in Betty Davis, for instance, there was four of us in the car at one point. You mm. know, you had the husband, you had Betty, you yeah. had the kid, and you had, <laughs> oh, I just whacked the microphone. <laughs> and you had... <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you had Elizabeth, who was, was telling the story, all in the sure. car, all in different moods. Now, to be able to do that and interrupt yourself in a different voice with mm. a different emotion. In the play I wrote, Not a Well Woman, I do it with 26 characters. Mm. And mm. I mean, literally, you, you have to be absolutely in that moment. And I'm one of those actresses, I've always done it. They used to say to me at drama school, you're so naughty in class. <laughs> You're so really badly behaved and appalling. But the moment you step yes. out onto that stage, it all happens. And it's because I've always been, I know this. people don't believe this, but I've always been terribly, terribly shy and withdrawn. And I, as a child, because I couldn't see. So I lived Absolutely in this little world yeah. of voices. And it was sort of, I literally 
didn't know who I was, so I would become mm. everybody else. I don't so think sort of happily it, I don't, schizophrenic. <laughs> I don't work it out. I don't, yeah. you know, I don't go through all the angst and torture. I just become it. And I know that probably sounds a bit pretentious, but no, 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 it's honestly no, 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 how I do it. No, 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 not at all. I mean, just as a full stop to, to, to the gush before we actually get into the proper thing. I mean, obviously, there was such a good working relationship between you and all the team, uh, John Levine, John Richard Pert, Franklin, Richard Franklin, <laughs> uh, Nick Courtney and all the rest of it. But I mean, for example, there'll be scenes where, say, the doctor is talking a thousand miles an hour about something and then he gets a little cross or impatient with Joe and then you'll just burst out laughing as the character. Ah, oh, Joe! You haven't been listening, have you? Honestly, Doctor, you never, never listen, listen to, to a, a word, word I say! <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know how you do that, because it's, it's completely convincing. And, uh... Well, as Barry Lett said, and I know when I've directed, you know, one of the things that you actually pray for yeah. when you're casting is you get that, that little unknown ingredient, that chemistry between your actors, and you can... You know, you know, there have been a lot of seasons where, you know, characters mm. come and they work really well together. Some work okay together yeah. and it works, mm. but some just literally yeah. mould that. And John and I had that chemistry on day one. So did Nick and I, Roger, yes, myself, absolutely. Richard mm. and myself, John Levine and myself. Yes. It was quite extraordinary. On day one, I mean, I was this little, tiny, shivering, mm. petrified person. It was only my second job in the business. Yes. And I'd done this very, very deep, serious television series prior to that. That's Man of the Top? With lo- yeah, yeah, with yeah. really lots of grown-ups. Mm. It was very <laughs> scary. Um, <laughs> it really was. Grown up. Watching real grown-up actors oh. working, Willow. And, you know, I'm just kind of pounding around, mm. sort of hoping that I'm going to get things right and not yeah. trip over everything because, you know, mm. when I went to audition... Um, Richard Franklin gets his story wrong and I've, I've corrected him so many times because he's, oh yes, well of course I, I did the readings with all the girls. Well, I didn't go in until they'd shortlisted it to three, right? Mm. So He's <laughs> just making it up. <laughs> and so when I got in there, well no, because I couldn't see, because I had to take mm. my big thick glasses off. Nothing. So they said, could you read? And I went, yeah, not really. And I, I thought, well that's the end of that one, isn't it? Really? Can you read? No. <laughs> Goodbye, thank you. And, you know. <laughs> so um, they... They said, oh, well, would you do an improvisation? Yes, thank mm. you. Oh, I don't know who that was. Uh, <laughs> Linda Blair just crept in, didn't she? Whoops, I'll just stop the spinning head. Uh, I had to go and do this improvisation. And okay. I have told this story before, but I think it's such a lovely one. And so they put me into this big rehearsal space and they said, right, there's a hat stand in the corner. Who knew? I don't mm. know whether there was or there wasn't. I'll right. never know. Mm-hmm. Um, the, oh, the lights, <laughs> the lights just off. went out. <laughs> it's a zow. So now we talk very quietly and we do nighttime radio. Anyway, so um, I went in and they said, okay, on the hat stand there's a big fur hat and we want you to turn it into to see it and be waiting for whoever's going to come and talk to you. And that hat has to turn into a monster, Uh a devil, Uh a really... Well, I can't see, so everything's in my head. Always has been. Um, and Focus then, is the imagination, I would have thought. Well, yeah, that's absolutely. all I have. Absolutely. I've got my ears. Mm. I got, and I've got very big ears. I'm so glad this is right because they really are huge. But they're, they're I'm, I'm built like a muppet. Perfectly proportioned. I mean, I have nostrils down. You could part limos up. 
right? And a mouth that if I stand on the corner with lipstick, people start shoving letters in it. Say, it's you're true. absolutely beautiful. No, I've got the tiniest head and these enormous features. Oh, these... no, just stop it. No, stop. But it's true. <laughs> My beloved says, you know, he said the reason children like you is because you look like a Muppet. <laughs> anyway. Well, I'm, not, I'm, I'm certainly not going there because I don't agree <laughs> at all. So I then did this thing, so, and it had to turn into this, so I went into all of that, mm, reacted, mm. which isn't an instant scream or anything like that. You have to kind Build of... Build it up. You don't move when you're frightened. Mm. It's very interesting, but okay. you don't, you know. So, and then I did that, and then they said, and it turns back into a hat, and you realise how silly you've been, and you laugh a lot. Oh, I got the job. Fantastic. Hey! Oh, fantastic, Result. fantastic. Whereas if I'd had to read, I probably would have. Yeah. Because they had, you know, people like Shakira Kane on the shortlist. Oh, right. Hello. Um, and then John had, had already seen me once. Um, some months prior when I was at the BBC for something. Mm -hmm. And he'd said to, I think, I forget the name of the producer prior to Barry Letts, Sherwin? Yes, Derek Sherwin. Derek Sherwin. Oh, that was very good, Katie. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We did half each. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, we shared that one, baby. That's ours. (laughs) And um, he had already said to Barry, I've seen this little thing that I think would be a really great, Doctor Who girl and, mm. and Barry said no 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 we're we're going to this is all new now everything's new we've got army we're doing this mm. we're getting you know so and so when I actually he was told who it was going to be he said that's the little thing I saw oh that's so sweet which is so lovely and yeah. um, we literally it was just instantaneous with the whole group they were lovely to me mm. we love John and I of course. It was voice heaven. He said, them young buggers going to come down and get them. He said, hell with it. Yes, if you'd been in the car with us, travelling on some of these locations, you <laughs> would have been... It was such fun. I'm the luckiest person in the world to have had one of the best voicemen ever as my leading yes, man. Yes, absolutely. And he encouraged me because he said, you know, you should do this as part of your acting. And I said, oh, no, you know, what, what good would it be? I just do it to make people laugh. Mm. Scratch and sniff. Well, we'll do more Doctor Who in a bit, but I will just uh, rewind it a little bit and talk about... Um... I'm following you, darling. Wherever you take me, yes, I'm yes, going absolutely. with you. Well, I mean, let's talk about your... Oh, the your... lights went on again. Yeah, they went on. They might go off again at, at later. Oh, I know? quite like... Should we get up and dance? Is this a <laughs> disco the, moment? That's the only way the lights will stay on if we dance. Um, <laughs> now, your father, who was a politician-turned-sports journalist and apparently an extraordinary writer of wrongs, Apparently, he, he started the ball rolling with dope testing when a sportsman died. Which was, it's huge stuff. Well, and first of all, I mean, one of the great things he did was that he... And he was an OBE as well. Yes, indeed, he JL was. Manning, OBE. First, yes, he got that just before he died. OK, well, that's good. Better than afterwards. You yeah. know, and uh, it was wonderful. He was doing an interview from intensive care. Oh, my God. The day before he had one of the first oh. heart operations. <laughs> and he was Bless there. Him. And I, I, some of this is touched in the play that I wrote, right. which we'll get round to yes, later. Absolutely. But, um, and he's there, and he was getting, waving that finger that I know so well yes. in the air. And the guy who was interviewing said, jail, all the machinery is going off. And I have that recording to this oh, day. Do you? So there's Daddy getting totally excited about things, you know, and change this and do that, and, you know, not, you know. Oh. And it's funny, we can hear all these machines going, beep, 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 
Because <laughs> yeah, so when we actually bumped into each other, um, it was it was outside the BBC quite recently. A, t- a touch of serendipity, I like to think, which <laughs> I learn all my best words from Doctor Who. And then I bumped into you again um, outside Forbidden Planet, and I was that's convinced... stalking. I was convinced you. <laughs> we went from serendipity to stalk. You, you, you thought, oh, she's going to think I'm a stalker. I mean, darling, as I say, stalkers it doesn't make it because I wouldn't recognise anybody no, twice. Absolutely. You know, so. But we, when we chatted outside the BBC, I think you were taking Twitter Twitter pictures because you're oh, a big, big, you're big, big tw- Twitty Twitter. Yeah, I need help. Um, I'm, I'm severely. But you mentioned about ridiculous. when you were very young, you you were you stayed at Langham Hotel, and you also mentioned your grandfather as well. Who well, was, my grandfather uh, um, was a writer, right? Great okay. writer, um, and owned a newspaper. And Daddy, you know, he 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 changed the rules of boxing. Which, believe you me, there's a lot of very high-powered people in boxing uh-huh. who didn't want those rules changed. Which yeah. was when to have a to have a doctor at the side of the ring to uh, say yeah, when it was no longer a sport. I mean, if I start spouting off, you know, Freddie Mills and things like that, mm. these are people, uh, boxers, you know, when you go beyond being punched, you know, you, yeah. it does oh. cause brain damage oh. and oh. terrible things. And that is not a sport. You no. know, boxing is one of my favourite sports. But when it... Oh, oh, I'm, oh I'm sports mad. Oh, I'm everything. Get you, Casey. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was very important. He also dealt with the terraces and the problem of the overcrowding of the football terraces. Mm-hmm. He was a campaigner. He wanted to make everything kind of work. He was looking into drugs and sport in 1960, mm. looking at his old manifesto when he was when he was in politics. He was fighting for the rights of women in the workplace to have creches so that women could go to work so that there was, you know, he was quite extraordinary. He was carried down the streets of Wales by the Welsh miners. I mean, he was non-stop and constantly doing I mean he, he even and he even when there was nothing happening <laughs> I mean he was in Mexico at mm-hmm. the Olympic Games and something was stolen from his room in a Sheraton group of hotels which is an American group of hotels okay. and he was looking through and he it wasn't very exciting at, at that particular point in the um, the games there. Right. So he decided to take on the Sheraton group of hotels under Mexican law. But the Mexicans don't even understand their law. And he was getting all these telegrams from the, you oh, know, yeah. from people over here saying, don't do it, Jimmy, you know, this is... He did. He went ahead and did it. He sounds extraordinary. And man. he fought against apartheid in sport um, in South Africa, all over. Mm. He was just an extraordinary man. He really was. I mean... He was a feisty old well, so and so. he certainly sold him to me. But, but he uh, was fun and he loved to dance and he would get me out of bed at four o'clock in the morning and take me downstairs and we danced together because they partied. Yeah, They yeah. partied hard. So where did the acting bug come from? I mean, uh, was there any side of your family actors or Amtraum or... Whoever? Everybody who knows me always said, oh, well, it was always there. But I mean, you know, I, I danced because that was something that people who couldn't see did very well. Because right. it's very different... You know, when you say you can't see, people don't know I sort of can't see because they don't quite get the fact that I've always... Yeah. Um, so it's not it's not altogether obvious. And just to, you know, I don't have a dog. Yeah, yeah. And I don't do braille because it's not that. And that is something you you see and you understand. Just to make a point to the audience that uh, it's myopia, myopia. Well, yeah, but I also have no periphery. I mean, I'm not allowed to drive. I have no periphery. I can't see your face from here, and I have contacts in. And this was from birth. Yeah. Because my mo- my mother had macular degeneration in That's, the last twenty years of her life. Is it? It's different. It, ah, because she always said she had no peripheral vision. But uh, but I mean, you, you you've had your life of seeing. I, un- no, I, I understand. Came I understand. in this way and I will go out that yes, way. Yes. Um, well, extraordinary things have to overcome and not just overcome but completely say, right, 
sod you, you know? I'm going to do everything I want, and you clearly have. Well, when you take the wrong, you know, you can, I mean, the stories are endless. I'll tell you a couple of the stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're like trying to leave the school playground with two wrong children. <laughs> you know, I mean, they were blonde, they were small, they were fine, they oh, were well, mine. Felt it, felt and there's it. this woman going, excuse me, excuse me, and I'm going, what, what, I've got to get a taxi, we've got to get a rehearsal, you know, everything. Oh. And they, <laughs> she said, those are my children. I said, oh, I'm so sorry, darling. Can, have sorry. you got any others? Yes. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised I've actually brought up the right children. But, you know, things like that. And so, I mean, like not that long ago, somebody was saying, I always give to people in the street because I think, I don't know, I, I can't judge people. You know, Daddy used to do it. He'd stop the car, and if there was a little, an old drunk in the gutter, Daddy takes money. He said, "I can't change his life. I'm he not going to judge him, night. but I'll get Why him not? through tomorrow." Yeah, absolutely. I and I, that. you know, even people say, "Oh, they've got money." That I don't care if you've got to sit, and they mm. look pale and not well mm. to me. And then, and they have dogs, and they're always so nice. Yeah. And I was trying to get, and I said, "No, I've got to get." And this guy saying, "Oh no, don't give me any money." Blah, 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 you know, attitude. Ooh. And I said, "Excuse me, I'm going to do it." I said, "Look, he's got a dog." He said, "That's not a dog. It's a backpack." Oh. You know, so. <laughs> What it is, my life is in a different place I some of the time. I understand. But I think that has helped you focus in terms of your performance as well. I mean, it, it, you've turned a disability into an ability. I can't if, see a cameraman like. drinking a cup of tea in the middle of my motive scene. Well, well, yeah, well, that might put you off. I can't the see an audience. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm hard pushed to see the other actor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I know what people are doing. I just, because I've had it all my life, my, mm. uh, my senses are so strong and I have a huge mm. sense of colour. But everything is beautiful. Nighttime's not great for me. I can't even find my own home. <laughs> but daytime and colour is my life. I love, I, you know, it's, it, it steers me through. And okay. everything is beautiful. Everybody is beautiful. It's a wonderful world to be in and it's only what I hear that can be disturbing. You're listening to Scratch and Sniff with my special guest, Katie Manning. Scratch and sniff. Now, obviously, as well as this, you also had to deal with a, a, a potentially fatal car crash at the age of 16. <laughs> yeah. I mean, life really threw some stuff at you, Katie. I was with Brian Gascoigne's... Bamba Gascoigne's yes, brother. brother. Yes, yes and the other way around, oh, yeah, yeah, well, Nice love. try. Yeah. And um, I was actually going out with Richard Eyre at the time. I, was, I didn't so think I said that before, yes, so I was. So he was gorgeous. Where did I go wrong? Where my career <laughs> went? Um, <laughs> and, but I was hanging out and Stephen mm. Frears and all those people mm. at Oxford University. And my mother had said, um, they weren't frightfully keen on me going to this party. And it was like a, a ball. Mm. And I wanted to go. Desperately. And Who wouldn't? Well, yeah, I always wanted to go somewhere. I was mm. naughty. And uh, and they were lovely boys. And so I went. Mm-hmm. And on the way back, Brian fell asleep. And it went like across a roundabout. Mm. And then it went into a plate glass window. Right. Well, as my father said, you know, there are four doors in a car. What? What? Why? You choose this one? Yes. yes. Um, and so what happened, I mean, it all sounds terribly dramatic, doesn't it? But, well, it, it, well, it was. was, actually. Um, and I have a lot of my memory has gone wiped from a couple of years at least, oh. um, which is probably just as well. So I went got stuck between, I went through the windscreen mm. and through the plate glass window. And it took like nine policemen to get me oh. out. And they couldn't wait for the ambulance because I was really badly. And um, I broke just about everything you can break. Mm. Um, My whole side of my face here was so badly 
it, that it kind of my eye and my mouth met somewhere. Mm, <laughs> it looked dear. like I was winking a lot. Yeah. I mean, it was really badly done. And so I spent like nine or ten months in hospital in High Wycombe. So this is before Doctor Who, because I mean, I just, yeah, I mean, I how was did, a little dancer. Well, they must have patched you up well, because you look, you look <laughs> hot to trot in Doctor Who, my darling. Well, I was a little dancer, yeah. and then I couldn't walk, so they put me in like one of those places where they decide you're going to play netball from a wheelchair. Not, <laughs> and you know, which I have great respect. I understand there are a lot of people in this situation, but they're also. I was told by the surgeon, he said, it's amazing. He said, a lot of people, when they have had these very... and Because you, you try to walk, but you can't. Mm. Nothing happens. Yeah. Your legs just go... And mm. I had to have pin put in my leg because they mended it like by putting it in traction. But unfortunately, it didn't work. Right. And so they had the bone popped and they had to put a big pin in it. Oh right. And I got an embolism where they turn you upside oh. down and pack you in ice and you talk rubbish. Oh. And they sort of give you 24 hours. to. Live. Oh, it was the full on. Bloody you know, I mean, I didn't go into this half hearted. Yeah. So you're bionic now. I'm totally bionic. Bionic Katie. And I'm still really fit. Um, I can tell. But I then, and then I went to East Grinstead where Sir Percy Jays, who studied under Archie McKindo, um, put me back together and took skin grafts on my face and uh, and he did as much as he could. Mm. There was still quite a lot of stuff that had to be done over the years. That's an amazing story. And so all it does is it gives tremendous hope when people, when I've met young people who've been through things like Mm. this, and I'm able to say to them, over the years, Mm. these things change. You learn to live with what you... I have photographs now, finally found, of me when I was modelling before... I had the car accident. And you can see a difference in okay. my face. Right. You really can. Yeah, but I mean... That was me old face. I, I understand that. I've got a new one now. Yeah, well, we and, love your new one. Yeah, well, it's the only one I got now. <laughs> but it was, it was an extraordinary experience because I sort of thought, okay, because obviously I wasn't going to be able to dance anymore. Mm. I did try. And I still, you know, work with underprivileged children, teach dance and drama okay, and things right, like that. Right. But I can't do what I could do. I mean, one leg's quite a bit shorter than the other and so on and so forth. And it it was, I suppose, it put me in the situation, whereas I sat there and I thought, what can I do? When I was in the wheelchair, I thought, I remember Donald Swan singing, Mud, mud, glorious mud. You're doing the accent, darling. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, sure, I could do that. Mm. Um, And then... It sort of turned out that really, you know, that was the only way to go. And then now there's more to that story, which I'll tell you when you want to hear it. Okay. I mean, I was going to make a point that literally after you got out of hospital, I mean... Nearly two years. It it was 18, apparently, when you went to America. So presumably you were... You got yourself better quite quickly, or at least to get on a plane. Well, it was two years. Mm. I still wasn't in great shape. I'd been through quite a traumatic time, which we don't really need to get into. No, that's fine, whatever you want. But, you know, after being in a hospitalised situation for nearly two years, at that age, you don't realise till you come out, you have the mental aspect of it to take care of. They didn't deal with that then. Right. But I was okay, I think, at that moment. But was it very much an instinct that I want to grab life by the short and curlies and get out there? You think that when you're in there. Okay. When you come out and suddenly there you are and you can't walk properly and your face Mm. is not good and things haven't settled by that point and you haven't grown into this new person. Sure. And I went to America... My sister, who is five foot eleven, I am oh. five foot. You know, I think I got hit over the head a lot as a child. <laughs> was a model with Eileen Ford in New York. She's right. a top model, stunning. You know, 
And I went over, my parents thought it would be a good idea for me to go and spend some time with her while I kind of rebalanced mm -hmm. myself. Mm -hmm. And while I was there, I was at a party at my sister's flat. And it was very tedious. And everybody's <laughs> being very, very sort of, you know. You're, you're thinking naughty thoughts. It was very, how, do I, how do I rock this place? Yeah, and, and it was like very New York posh. Mm, and, big banana. Uh, you know, I always had that rebel in me, as mm. my father said. Right, <laughs> okay. And so I just went off into the other room to watch TV. Okay. And I'm there. Is that the end of the story, Katie? <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you wish it was? No, 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 no. I, no, I want very... more. I want it more. When I'm there in my little knee socks and my little mm -hmm. bunches and my oh. silly little plastic frock with the hole okay. in the front. Did you check the washing instructions when you bought it? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I always had an eye for fashion. I've always loved clothes. I grew up with a mother that loved... We've all loved clothes. Yeah. Whole family. Clothes man. Um, I used to have everything made and I designed my own frocks at the age of six. Mm. You know, I, I love clothes. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I was sitting there and there was a man sitting in there too who I was basically oblivious of. And um, it turned out to be Arthur Mayer from Metro Golden Mayer. And he had my parents flown over and wanted to offer me a five-year contract with MGM. Oh, my God. A bit of an OMG there, darling. A bit of an OMG, my darling. Um, so... Daddy said, well, you know, I'll just explain to you because, you know, he knew his daughter well, you know. Mm. <laughs> if you tell me to do that, it's cool. <laughs> I'll do that. Okay. I learned that with my own children. Right. Um, and so he said, so I'll just tell you what the choices are here. Mm. And one is you can do five years and you may not make one film. You can do five really? years, you might make one film. You can do five years and you can make 20 films, but you're with them for five years. Uh, presumably you, you're salaried. Yes. Yes. But, you know, I'd never acted. Right. You know, I could sing every song from Oliver. I could do all that stuff. And this was before you went back to England to study at Webber Douglas Academy Webber Douglas. Of, of Dramatic Art. Um, and I came back and he I... He just saw the actor in you, even though... Well, you... they wanted me to do that. Mm. Daddy said, what do you want to do? I said, oh, no, I don't want to do it. Wise decision, I think, at, at an early age. I Yeah, uh, there's, yeah, there's a follow-up sure to that many years later okay. in America. All right. Something, I love the country. My sister lives there. She's lived there for years and lives in the South now, and she talks like Deep that. Deep South. That's so funny. <laughs> well, my little sister, how are you, honey? <laughs> You're right. Um, <laughs> she just walked in the room. <laughs> and also there's another American tie-up, which we'll get to later. okay. okay. Oh, if I wasn't so old, my life would have been over by now and we would have finished this conversation. <laughs> anyway, so I, I came back and I thought, I didn't tell anybody. I'm just going to audition for every drama school and the first one that takes me gets me. But this MGM experience, was that influential in, in making you think, hey, I no. could... Oh, OK. No. I'm very kind of like that. You're very sure of yourself stuff. in a very good way. Well, not sure of myself. I didn't, I didn't mean it like arrogantly. I'm instinctive. That's what I said earlier about the, I said no. the performances. Okay. I just felt mm. like saying no that yeah. day. I might have said yes the following just week. Just say no. Mm. So I said no. Okay. I didn't know what I wanted to do, really. Uh, you know, and so I came back and I got into Webber D. Mm. And I must say, you're in very good company there. I mean, the, the likes of Angela Lansbury, Julian Fellows, off of Downton, uh, Anthony Sher, Donald Sittenden, Hugh Bonneville, Mini Driver, Terence Stamp. Uh, uh, Samantha Egger. I'm sure. <laughs> And bring, me. Bring them on. And you. And my lovely Susan Penn Halligan. Yes, absolutely. Your friends. <laughs> so, I mean, how long were you there for? 
I was there for the full wallop. Because okay, I wallop. actually got um, asked. Were you naughty? Yes. Were you kicked out? <laughs> no. Oh, good, good. No, no the naughtier I was, so... the more they kept me. Fantastic, yeah. I, um, <laughs> um, but I was asked to do a show. Okay. And it was back in the days when, quite rightly, mm. I'm a big equity woman, mm. when equity said, you know, until you've done your 40 weeks work. Yes, yes. However, if mm. you do a TV commercial, it's yours. Oh, fine. And I was asked to be in hair. I secretly went off an audition just for fun. Yeah. Because Stevie Winwood was cute and he was auditioning. Um, Stevie (laughs) Winwood. Oh my God. I got his albums at home. And that was fun actually because I I turned up at drama school on my, I think it was about my second day. My boyfriend was in a band with his lead singer was Rod Stewart, Mick Fleetwood was the drummer, Peter B. And uh, I've got the shortest skirt on you've ever seen because I always had my knickers made to match. Um, And I arrived in a black Cadillac. Oh, with the you. boys, I love it. And I got, and uh, the second day I was there, Jago, who was our principal, said, "I'd like to see you in my role." Here we go, and he said, um, "We'd like you to wear either longer skirts, because this was not, you know, I was really a, a, a forerunner oh, yeah. of the mini skirt, longer skirts, swinging those sixties, <laughs> or well, it was they weren't wearing them as short as I was wearing them. Okay, right, I was very, <clears throat> very short." Because I was little. Yes. And he said, I'd like you to wear either longer skirts mm-hmm. or trousers because we can see your knickers. I said, well, you're meant to. They're made to match. Well, that's a perfectly valid so reason. So I didn't. So you did modelling uh, a little bit uh, after you did your academy doodah, what's the not before, training? No, before, oh, before I had my before, car before. Oh, Yes, of course, before and after. But my sister yeah. dobbed me in for that because she right. was a model. In that, This was before she went to Eileen Ford in, mm. in New York. And suddenly the lights, yeah, the lights went go again. on all over the world. <laughs> and she just sort mm. of said to her agent, because they were looking for very young teenage girls sure. and also Bieber had come out and they were sort of tiny people and they were tiny sizes smaller than Mary Quant and everything yes. and so my sister well my sister can do that yeah absolutely absolutely I, I didn't like it very much oh was it a bit I, I wasn't happy oh I, right I did it I know what you're trying to but say it's not me I, I, I okay yes but I did it and okay. I got lots of work did you have to slap people away from you no okay it I, just was a little bit it was just pouting and oh yeah, yeah, and I mean I've got all sorts of old stuff of me doing you know like hit and miss with the hair color you know which was like trendy like jukebox jury type <laughs> stuff and you know in my first TV commercial I played Jacqueline Bissett's or Bisset, uh-huh. sis, sister. younger sister oh. in a commercial for the egg marketing board. Okay, go to work on an egg. <gasps> Absolutely. (laughs) It's a great way to travel. Now, your first role after you came out of drum school was Man at the Top. It was based on the 1958 film Room at the Top. It had a good cast in it. Apparently, the original cast from the film then went into the TV series as well. So that was your your grown-up start. Kenneth Hague. Ken, uh, yes, and uh, Derek Benfield, uh, yeah. Sheila Rayner. Zena Walker. Donald uh, Houston. Zena Walker. 
I haven't got her. I haven't, I haven't got her on my little card. So, um, <laughs> so, so clearly, I haven't done my homework. But um, well, I, I did say that with an almost. I'm sure it's Zena Walker. Okay. Well, I believe you. That's that's fine. Let's let's go with well, Zena. Let's pretend. Let's I'm go right. with Zena Walker. How is that in terms of finding your marks and uh, blocking scenes and stuff like that with, with, with uh, your condition? <laughs> Hit miss. Okay. Um, really frightening the whole thing was mm. because it was it was a very heavy role I was playing a, a 16 year old girl I mean my, my, the first thing I did was have a big snogging session <laughs> I was like oh I like acting yeah. acting's really good because he was a cutie I'm surprised I turned out gay with you know role models like you I mean you could have <laughs> turned me my darling I don't know he's not one of them wow. is he I had four lines in it nice. as a French au pair girl. Now, you see, I speak French, so Got I might you. not have had, a, you know, I might not have GCEs and I might not have been at school proper mm. and things like that. Mm. But I had an extraordinary amount of stuff around yes, me that, and I learned to speak French because I love France. Mm. And so I got, and I said to Daddy, you see, it paid off me being able to speak French and sending me to France when I was 13 and da-da-da-da-da. And I was in it, I think we were into rehearsals about three days, and they took me out of rehearsal and put me in a room with this young boy and said, gave me some lines, which I learned instantly. Mm-hmm. And the next day I was told that I was no longer playing the French au pair girl. I went, oh, that's it, I'm sacked. Oh. How do I tell my father I'm leaving home? Oh, dear. Um, I was given the, the juve lead. And so I played the 16-year-old girl who was having an affair with the Kenneth Hay character's son, because this was years, you know, the later, after Room at the Top, he became, and he became a powerful businessman. And then I was seduced by him. And then I was asked back again, I got a lovely letter from John Brain saying, you know, it was just, he couldn't have imagined it being played any better. Rubbish, probably, but anyway, it was oh, there. No. And, you must accept um, these compliments because no, people I'm not say very from the heart. I don't. You're too it. British. And then he starts to fall apart, and she becomes very powerful. Uh huh. And you know, so it's sort of a, she was the she was from a council estate. Mm. So you saw the the sort of female Joe yes. Lampton, if you like. So it was it was quite an incredible role. So to start having four lines as no an pair, and then going to the main. Juvenile lead, as you said. Was I was it, cheap. Yeah, well, no. yes. <laughs> I know, but first, first job no, out of drama school. That it, is, that is it, cracking. It was amazing. That is cracking. And Doc Two came shortly afterwards. Oh, I was still doing that. Well, ah. That's why I couldn't go for the audition on time. Right. Um, so we, we've touched a little bit on Doc Two, but obviously we need to touch on it a lot more. You I can mean, touch on it as much. Absolutely. As you like, Well, I mean, the whole thing, we had the, um, you know, the three and sixpence increased budget for mm. special effects. <laughs> we went with Real Army and, and Real Navy. And it was in colour as well now. In colour. <gasps> we had Real Army, Real Navy. Yes, and the Seagulls, you had the full... that sort of Banana Republic. No. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's a safari suit with <laughs> yeah. the paper bag. Yes. Yeah, they changed <laughs> the costumes, didn't they? And so it all, you know, it was a whole new look. I mean, Barry Letts, to me, mm. was... The producer of Doctor Who will just say. He oh, was yes, a, very much the producer a, of Doctor Who. Well, this is the cool guy, a brilliant producer. You know, he, yeah. he was the one that kept it going and made it grow up. Yes, yeah. And that's where the cult came from. That's when the mm. older audience, you know, 75% old, adult viewing. It did viewing, grow up, didn't it? It grew up in the same way as when, when RTD took over. Yeah. You know, it did what it had to do. Um, and I think that that's what Barry Letts gave to the yeah. show. He also, because they... Put the doctor. A lot of people sort of say, "Oh yeah, but you know they put the doctor on Earth and da da da." 
It was a terrific idea. Absolutely. And the reason I say that mm. is because we all know if you go to another planet, mm. we believe mm. that there's possibly, or some people believe, mm. that there has got to be life out there. I think it's... Whatever you, you want to know. believe, you let's know. not, you know, whatever, to me, you believe whatever you want yeah. to believe, it's <laughs> fabulous by me. Yeah. Um, so therefore, you know that when you go up there, the chances are you might sort of see something. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm not going to tell just, you why we're giggling. I just moved your microphone, <laughs> you look rather startled. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seemed to be coming very close to me. Um, so... <laughs> um, you had that situation whereby on Earth, mm. I mean, those Autons mm. driving a police car, mm. ripping scary, off the faces, hello, terrifying. that to me is more frightening. You, to me, that's a very frightening situation, mm. whereas if you go up there, well, come on, you're going to expect mm. something different. I think that's why it made such an incredible impression to me as, as you know, a seven-year-old, because it just... It was very well produced. The, the quality of the actual... I mean, OK, it was done on two and sixpence or whatever, but it... I mean, even looking back now, I mean, a lot of it, some of the model work was exceptional. Absolutely. And, and we had something, you know, the, the, because when you don't have a great deal, mm. and I always likened it, likened it to, you know, when, you, when you're going to cook a meal, mm. if you go by the recipe book and you can buy all the ingredients, mm. you don't necessarily get a great meal. Mm. But you go to the fridge, you know, some of the best meals I've, you can cook, <laughs> you go and you think, well, there's a piece of old brie and, mm. you know, there's a limp lettuce. Mm. And you make, because you have to use your creative juices. And that's the power of not having a huge budget sometimes. Yes, you have to be you know, adaptable. You look at some of the people that worked on those shows, your Jim Atchison's, people like well, that. they've gone on to do all sorts. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, to win Oscars. And everybody wanted. Yeah. Everybody worked. We wanted to do things. You know, I had a blueprint for Joe, but mm. she had to evolve yes. through what I injected yeah. into yeah. her and my relationship with John mm. and all of that. 1926. Hmm. Convinced? No. Oh, Doctor, you're so stubborn. And you ought to have an outlet for that police box of yours. You don't even know where you're going in it. Come on, Joe. Where to? Back to the TARDIS. And what for? Um, I don't know what's happening here, but I don't like it. Why do you want to stay? I just want you to admit the truth, that's all. Well, instead of swanning around some distant galaxy, we slip back about 40 years in time and we're on a little cargo boat in the middle of the Indian Ocean. It would and be it... very easy for, like, a lesser actor who perhaps didn't get quite that chemistry or, or wasn't so good, whatever, to to not fill that role with such life. I mean, I, I compare it with other certain iconic programmes of the 70s, The Good Life, for example, I thought was a sitcom which was an OK script, a very interesting idea, but getting those four extraordinary people made it, made it happen. Made it extraordinary. Made it happen. And so, with you, exactly the same. It's been the same right through. Everything yeah, that's absolutely. good, there is that something. And once they pick up on what you're doing, they think, oh, yeah, that's interesting, we'll develop that, and it all... Joe got a very, you know, I do know that for a long time, um, people got very confused. Right. They used to sort of say, oh, you know, Katie's just like Joe. No, she's not. First of all, I had to change my voice. Yes, you had to pitch it, her higher. Yeah, because I sound like a long-distance lorry driver. Oi, oi! You lucky people! John was conscious they would do that again. The lorry driver came out. Um, you and now know. she talks like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that was slightly changed. <laughs> but also what I think people... Do you know, I didn't scream mm. half as much as a lot of other companions have. But I got the one, oh, she just screams. Yes. No, she didn't. And also, Joe's character was wonderful. She was 
I don't know, I've not seen it happen, where she actually stood there and said... No! No, you good man! Kill me, not him! She knew how important his work was. You know, so when Russell got that script later, you yes. could see that she carried on the kind yeah. of work that he was doing in the universe mm. she was mm. doing on this planet. Yes, yeah. And I think, Joe, she was feisty, she was funny, mm. she was disobedient, she was clumsy, she mm. wore ridiculous skirts and shoes, <laughs> eyelashes, you know, rings, and all the rest of it. Mm. I mean, it was... But she was so nice. But like, she, she was my best friend when I was a little boy. She had little smiles. I didn't have any friends. You know. And she, there was something terribly <laughs> naughty yes. about her. Mm. And, and her, yet, her skeleton keys, I bet she could get in and out of a few situations. So. That's right. And yet she also had this... Openness to learn. And the other thing about this character, which I think has been forgotten in the mists of whatever the fans okay. want to put your character sure. into, is the fact that you watched a little girl go in. I'm your new assistant. And a woman come out. The fledgling flies the coop. Because she was a little girl when she went in. You know. Well, I remember one of her first lines is... I'll start by making out some lists. She sort of bobs off yeah. camera. Well, she ruins his experiment for a start. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. It's all right, I've dealt with it. Dealt with it? You've ruined it. But your match was on fire. Three months' delicate work, and now look at it, your ham-fisted bun vendor. And at the end, she got taken up the Amazon by Cliff to invent corn. Was I say, she was a little <laughs> girl. She learned from. She learned. She found out who she was. You watched her as it went mm. on. You watched her becoming more and more mm. able and determined, and she was actually fearless. Mm. I mean, she said. You know, when she ruined the maggot experiment. I mean, that was a lovely turnaround mm. when she ruined his experiment. Yes. Shut the blasted door! All oh, the silly young goats. Oh, I'm sorry, what did I do? Oh, you ruined the month's work, that's all. Can't you read? Set on the door to watch it, didn't it? Yes. Half a degree drop in the well, media. Oh! No, no, not it's there. Yes. You'll have the lot over. Not there either. You'll contaminate my spores. Where can I go for Pete's sake? Well, just try standing still, my lover. You know, yes, it, was, it was exactly the same. Because she was clumsy, yes, was just a, yeah, flip, but then, flip over. Yeah. And I've also said to, to people, you know, if you don't have a girl that's in some kind of trouble, what mm. have you got? If, if she's so on the money mm. and she can so take care of herself, mm. you can't... You've yeah, got nothing for him to go and say. There has to be jeopardy, definitely. I think but, but it doesn't mean you can't be intelligent oh, and no, no, all no. this and that. I mean, you're dealing with extraordinary situations. Well, Liz beautiful Liz came yeah. into it and she was a... You know, a seasoned journalist. Mm. You know, she had. Mm. Came it was in... one step up in terms of the uh, girl power sort of thing. If you perform onto the better, you know, expression. and and also you have to look at kitchen sink history. Mm. You have to look at where women have come mm. from and where they've got to. Yeah. Don't start me on that one. Mm -hmm. um. <laughs> it was probably more self-conscious in the 70s. You know, women's lib was mentioned occasionally. I think certainly with Liz's character. Not with mine. No, 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 no. That all with me. No. Why should I give my <laughs> give, give up monkeys. my superiority for equality? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Now, at the end, I've got to say that there's only three things... I can hear people going, <laughs> <laughs> There's only three things I think I've tried at, properly, properly balled at, at the TV in my life. One was the end of Jungle Book. <laughs> when Mowgli goes to the... Oh, to God, the yes. Oh, my God, every single my time. My God, I cry and everything. Well, yes, Titanic, not because of a silly love story, but with Cappuccino, what it is called. I but... cried in A Fish Called Wanda. Oh, did you? Okay. I cried in Nuns on the Run. Oh, okay. Well, I'll have to watch those and see, see if that works for me. <laughs> Find out where it was. But but the other one... You weren't in those films, were you? No, 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 no. Oh, see, so you were just having a cry. 
Well, yes. Yes, you did. When he said how hard it is to be English, he wanted to tell her that he loved her. Oh, and, oh yes, I remember and that. Bit. That and, and it was just yes. that moment. And, he's, it's, and my little heart went out to him. And in Nuns on the Run, I just wanted them to get married because they were so in love and I didn't think they were going to. Anyway, I'm just thinking about the chip up his nose, but that's Michael Palin. <laughs> <that's, laughs> no, that wasn't the bit that made me cry. And the other bit was the Green Death. Well, tonight we can tell you that the Doctor is going to fail tomorrow in one of his missions to hold on to his assistant, Joe Grant. For after three years of being Doctor Who's assistant, Joe Grant is leaving Doctor Who. Well, Joe, we'd better get back to Unit HQ. We've got a report to make out. Doctor? Hmm? I don't think I'll be going back just yet. Oh, you're thinking of staying here? Well, not here exactly. Only, you see, Cliff is going on this expedition to look for this fantastic fungus. Where? The upper reaches of the Amazon. And he's asked me to go with him. You want to go? More than anything else in the world. I see. When? Well, very soon now. We'll just stop off in Cardiff, pick up our supplies, get married and... Married? Aye. Um, look, uh, will you excuse me? I, I do think I'm going to be wanted on the telephone. Oh, my God, what an arc you had to leave. Not just like, oh, I'm going to get married or something. It was really carefully and sensitively dealt with for the children, for the respect of the character, for the whole show. It, it, and I, I can't, every single time I watch it now, I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not going, I am going. You don't mind, do you? No. might even be able to turn you into a scientist. Don't too far away, will you? And if you do, come back and see us sometimes. It's, it's, it's a, what's beautiful about that scene is we couldn't speak, so we didn't have any dialogue. It was such an emotional moment. Um, and it's rare that you see no dialogue mm. in something like that. Yeah. That it is just done with mm. pure, truthful mm. emotion. You know, acted and for real, mm -hmm. whichever way you want to go with it. And, you know, to see that moment as that doctor, as he turns back and she turns back over Cliff's shoulder, <laughs> over Cliff's shoulder, <laughs> and goes, one eye. <laughs> no, and she, <laughs> so she looked over Cliff's Liza. shoulder. Liza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't, okay, I'll do that one in a minute. Okay. Um, and, and she just looks over that shoulder mm. and he just looks back. And then he drives off this deep. I mean, I, I get a little. I'm, I'm filling up goosebumps. now. I'm filling up. It was a beautiful, beautiful moment, and you sad, saw Mike, Katie. who'd always sort of had a bit of a thing for her, but it yes. was never, it it was never meant to be because they were casting it, thinking that there yes, might be. Yeah. But then the magic happened yeah. between John and myself, and it just wasn't appropriate. I mean, yeah. there was a wonderful magic between Rich and I, but it was different magic. Yes. Um, and you know, so that was why it was that way. But it was also interesting that they cast Stuart Bevan, who was at that time... Stepping out? I was. He's been um, a bit he of was a dish. Me, he was me, I, I feel. Say. Oh, hello. <laughs> He's still a dish, darling. Oh, yes. Still no, a, I, yes. I still spend lovely weekends. I cook for him, I clean for him <gasps> while he writes his sonnets, darling. I mean, oh. you know, somebody's got to do something while the boy's <laughs> writing his sonnets. He's a beautiful writer. He's, he's a poet. He's a Byron-esque mm. figure. I adore him, mm -hmm. um, which is why I set him free. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, but that was an, we didn't know. 
that he was going to be cast as yes. Cliff. So that so that all, just added to the whole. That just added to the whole kind of thing. And I think it was lovely, you know. Joe did see him as the young doctor, and I think there was a tiny glimpse. And I think Stephen Moffat once pointed this out, where you saw that if it had been nowadays, or if if things had been different, that might have been a different relationship. But sure. she found in Cliff everything that she had loved in the Doctor. So do you think that was possible? I mean, do you think if it was done now, you you know quite often they seem to cast younger. Doctors, perhaps in the seventies, that would have been too much. It was just there was just, I think, enough recognition of you've only got to look at some of the shots. And there's the different way they, types of love and all that. Exactly. Sort of, yes, it doesn't have but to be all. But there was just that, you know. Yeah. Tiny. I mean, talking subliminal. But, but I can I can think of scenes from from Carnival of Monsters and various ones when they're just just such sweetness in the scenes, but. Uh, I mean, I, I just was mortified. I really was. Took took a long time for me to get over that. And, of course, as soon as Elizabeth Sladen came, I thought, Katie who? <laughs> no, no, yeah, I'm exactly. I'm no. so joking. Because yeah. I never... Re- was, I have said I this. I never forgot. And I, I, I took all those years later for somebody else who felt exactly like me, who was in the industry, to do something about it, to give you that moment when there was closure with it in Death of a Doctor, which yeah. we'll, we'll talk about later. Well, it was lovely, you know, with Liz. And I do call her the quintessential Doctor Who. And I've said that, and I mm. say it from my heart, because she her life everything she was she was this character and also an extraordinary lovely beautiful beautiful mm. human being scratch and sniff you're listening to SNS Online with my special guest, Katie Manning. And if you want to comment about this or any other show, then please like our Facebook page, SNS Online, or our Twitter feed, which is Scratch and Tweet. Past shows can be found on SoundCloud by searching for SNS Online and Mixcloud by searching for me, Nick Randall. Back with the unstoppable Katie Manning here on Scratch and Sniff Online. Uh, <laughs> Katie loves that title. And, uh, you know, moving on from Doctor Who, you just finished this extraordinary time in your life with Doctor Who, getting fabulous ratings. It, it was probably the best. I mean, we had Tom Baker to come, which took it in a but completely at different time, direction. At that it time, was at its, it was a really strong, strong show. You know, we'd got all these, you know, when John and I, had, we knew something was happening mm. when we arrived in a helicopter in this field to do some location somewhere. Mm. And uh, we saw all these people of, not little kiddies, yes. there were little kiddies, but mm. there were teenagers and adults, mm. all just, you know, hundreds of them. Yes. Waiting for us to get off the plane. Oh. That was like. I mean, my, I remember my dad enjoying watching Doctor Who. I mean, he probably. I, I'm sure you were part of the attraction, but I mean, you know, he he would sit with me and everything. I remember because Colour TV had just come in. We lived on an REF station because my dad was in the REF, and I always wanted to play with my friend Sally about five o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, I'd, really? r- I'd ring on the doorbell. <laughs> I think I should interview you, <laughs> young man. <laughs> <laughs> I would ring the doorbell because Sally come out to play and you know what it was totally manipulative I knew they had a colour TV yes. and I was in watching David Daleks and all that and um, uh, as soon as we got a colour TV Sally yeah. <laughs> I'm so, kids are so fickle aren't, aren't they? they they're so fickle <laughs> but you went from who to apparently playing one of the first TV lesbians in the golden 
Golden, Road. Golden Rush. It was originally Pond, called really a fit and proper person. Right. But that title was taken out because it was a very. It was the first court case. It was that's what it was based on. Yeah. Written by an Australian, actually. Okay. Yeah. But it was the first court case where an older woman who'd been married, lived in the suburbs, had children. You know, perfectly ordinary. Mm woman and they had a lodger that came in and of course everybody thought oh right she's going to and she's sort of wandering around the house looking Mm. a little kind of you know young Mm. girl Mm -hmm. and you thought oh the husband's going to have an affair well no Ah. and it was actually the first court case where Mm. the husband took her to court to get custody of the children and the judge actually said this is how far we when she proves herself to be a fit and proper person she will be allowed to see the children, you know, once nice. a week or something yes. like that in company. Um, and she also has to end this affair and so on. Mm. So my second kiss on screen was with a woman. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, a, you know, a very interesting piece. Mm. Um, I'm just moving my chair in case you, you can move I'm your not chair. creaking. No, 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 no. I will in a minute. Um, <laughs> my whole body sounds like a haunted house when I get up, darling. So, mine just clangs. Um, so, <laughs> so it was actually quite an extraordinary piece mm. to be cast in. Douglas Canfield literally had to fight the producers mm. and the BBC because they all said, Katie Manning, she's the little girl next door. And, you well, know, that she... was the image you had. But, I mean, to have conquered that, to go to that, and also to Patrick Mower's uh, crime vehicle target playing um, a vomiting junkie. A very realistic... I, and I, I saw that and I've, I was quite I've young and I missed since. you so much as Joe and suddenly I'm watching you and there's there's breasts and there's vomiting and and there's junkiness and oh, all the rest of it and teeth it, missing I, I just remember it being such an intense performance I remember intense. you lie on the bed just having a, a sort of a come down or yeah. something like that and, oh and she absolutely oh. amazing part to be in. so it was rather lovely in the sense that if you look back if I look back on it now mm. you know I wasn't being typecast mm. I then did um, a film that John Pertwee's brother Michael wrote called Don't Just Lie There, Say Something, where I played Misdemeanor. Misdemeanor. With, <laughs> and I With Leslie Phillips. And, Leslie uh, Phillips. My mm. mum used to go out with him. Oh, really? There you go. Ah, hello. Oh, my God. Um, and, uh, oh, Joe and Ding I mean, they were all in it, darling. Yep. And, um, yes, I played the, um, the the girl that caused all the problem, naturally. Oh, there we are. Derek Griffiths was in it. Yes. You know, it was, it was, so it was an awful lot going on. And then, then I did Serendipity, which is the Arts yes. and Crafts program. Yes, yeah. And then I was playing a, a 16-year-old mass murderous girl guide right. up at the Edinburgh Festival in Union Jack and Bonzo, directed by the wonderful Mike Ockrant. And whilst I was doing that, I was commuting to London and I was teaching people how to work with epoxy resin and all those exciting things that I do. Yes, in serendipity. Welcome back to Serendipity. Well, today we're going to be looking at printing and dyeing fabrics. And as you can see, I'm surrounded by some serendipitous materials. Well, today's expert is John Wainwright, and he is a lapidary. Is that right? Yes, a lapidary is somebody who works with stone. Yes, with the experts. <laughs> Uh, on, you know, um, epoxy resin. You know, you go into this house and the whole thing is epoxy resin. Let's go resin. to some beach and collect some pebbles. I just thought if I lit a cigarette in this house, the whole place would go up. <laughs> I am a fire star! <laughs> One of my favourite pieces of music. Um, anyway, so 
it, it's all kind of wacky going on. But, and but this is, can I just stop you? I mean, this, <laughs> <laughs> can I stop you for a second? You try living um, it. <laughs> but I mean, from Doctor Who, was this... Oh, well, somebody well, was just this put very... their fingers in their ears and told me I laughed too loud. Oh, yes, I know. Yes, don't worry. That was probably me laughing. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm known for it. Yeah, that it, was me. It, it appears if the noise goes... Um, I just, um, I've never seen that in my life before. Unacceptable level, then that happens. So it's when I did the fire starter. Oh, I, no, I, I don't And worry. it's so big, I can see it. I know, I know. Anyway, it, sorry. It might happen again. No, what? I forgot what I was talking about. What oh, was sorry, I talking about? We were talking about serendipity and um, I was playing oh, yeah, a 16-year-old yeah, yeah, yeah. no, mass murderous girl guide in Jim Slip. You, you go out of Doctor Who. <laughs> you go out of Doctor Who, Katie. Did you make the very deliberate choices, right, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that because I I want to get as far away from Joe quite clearly to, to prove you all. I have never a... made a choice in my life. I okay. do not think like an actress. Right. I have never thought about career. So these things came to you? I let life do what life has to do. Okay. I control what I can, where I can and what is needed. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that if you're going to have an adventure in life, Mm -hmm. you have to allow all the doors to be open. Mm. You know, the moment you start making plans, right, you're not ready for all the other things that may happen, which might be where you should be going. And um, I just don't have that kind of mind. Mm. I like to just... Whatever happens, happens. Mm. You know, it is an adventure, and we have to allow it to be an adventure. In my case, when one door shuts, another one slams in your face. But you know, it's just a... you know so there's another one. <laughs> so break the door. Down. Whatever break you need to down. do, you know, break you do. But you know, this I've never thought about career plans, mm. and you know, that's so grown up. I don't think I'll ever get that grown up. Scratch and sniff. With Nick Randall. This now segues with an extraordinary thing. And let, we'll give you some background. Of course, you had twins in well, late 70s, 78. Well, yeah, because I, I, I went out of um, Union Jack and Bonzo and Serendipity, and I went into a th- uh, nearly a three year run in the West End. Okay. In and, a, you know. Right, but this is when you had your son so and my, daughter. Well, then I left that, mm. and shortly after that, I, I, I don't do dates and years. No, 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 no. I can't Fine. be doing. I can't be. You know, don't all that. worry about it, Madara. As I always say, I'd have been an accountant if I could do all that, right? <laughs> you know, but um, so I had the children in 1978. Okay, I got a date right. Did you? Yeah, right. Yes, I did. I, I usually get it wrong. My children have reminded me on so many occasions that I get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> But um, they were they were slightly um, premature. <laughs> slightly. <laughs> Sneeze, and they were there. Okay. No, um, they were basically. One pound eight and one pound six or something mm. like I mean they, they were they were called the miracle twins because um I won't go into all the details, but you know, I was I, I was on stage with Jimmy Edwards and Lionel Blair. Oh, Jimmy Edwards, wacko! And, and everybody was told not to put their arms around. I didn't ever get very pregnant. I looked oh, no. like I'd had three lagers. Okay. All right, so I had this little bimp. Bit bloated. A petite mm. bimp. <laughs> and, um, and I was playing somebody who, you know, I had a line in the play, which was I was playing a French, French girl, <laughs> French that comes again, called Vera. Mm-hmm. Such a French name. We've all got an auntie Vera, haven't we? <laughs> but this was Vera. <laughs> and uh, there was a lovely line in the play, which is, no, 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 I'm not pregnant. You know, I haven't got a pudding in the club or whatever <laughs> it was. In the club. And they're all going... She's got two of them. And so I did, had to do these pratfalls every yes. night, and the pratfalls were getting <laughs> further and oh. further. But none of that affected the prematurity of the children. And uh, I came home one night from the show, 
and I was sitting down. And I was in such pain. I mean, you know, t- and mm-hmm. my girlfriend came over and there's tears streaming. Yeah. And I'm very tough. I will never admit there's anything wrong. You see, and mm-hmm. I said, no, no, and I've just put my back out. And she knew different, so she just, you know, mm-hmm. sprayed me with some Chanel Number no. Five and called an ambulance, which I was fighting against going with. And so they, mm-hmm. you know, slapped a mask on me and said, breathe deeply. This one doesn't want to go. Oh. Um, and anyway, eventually. Uh, the children were born. They spent nearly five months in incubators, which is, you it's know, very tough. it's very strange though because you and getting back bonds I, I with get, your children. Were, as yes, well. I yes, wrote all it, that. Yeah. This comes into my play a lot because it's something that is very hard for a woman to admit, mm. but you don't feel anything. You can look at them. I mean, they, they had mask things over their faces. Mm-hmm. I couldn't touch them. I couldn't hold them. There was just nothing I could do, and I went back to work and played. <laughs> A 26-year-old virgin oh, in a play with Lionel Blair. <laughs> and yet, prior to having them, which is why I was telling you about the West End, yeah. I had a baby on stage every night. Oh, real one? So I did it the wrong way around. Oh. No, otherwise I'd have three years' worth of children now. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. But so every night, eight shows a week, I was having a baby. I'd never had a baby. I'd come out and I'd go and play a virgin. Hello. But this led to you making a, a huge... Life decision, not just career decision, life decision to, to up your bags with your two young children, to go to Australia where the climate would be beneficial well, they, they for they would spend a lot of time in hospital. They, they, they got, um, they wouldn't inoculate back then um, with whooping coughs. Oh, right. And um, nobody would diagnose it, but they got whooping okay. coughs, ended up in hospital. They were already very frail children. Um, but they were okay. Mm. Then they got this, which is a killer disease. It is far more dangerous than the brain damage that they said that the inoculation would give. Right. Okay. Um, and there were problems that fit, had to be sorted mm-hmm. over many years. Um, and it meant their immune systems completely collapsed. And I was sleeping in the hospital and going on stage at night. It was the most extraordinary mm. way of living your life. Mm. Um, and I didn't stop work because there was no more I could do. I was there all day, except, you know, I'd go and do the mass and then come back. You know, I was literally mm. sleeping because we didn't know whether certainly Georgie was going to come through at all. Mm. JJ was a little stronger. Anyway, when they came out, it meant that their immune systems were completely collapsed mm. and it meant that even a cold would turn into bronchial pneumonia, mm. so they were just constantly, constantly ill. Mm. It was so frightening and so difficult. But... When you're in that situation, you don't walk around thinking, oh, this is true. You just do it because you have to. You have to just get on with it. Also as a single mother because you went By on this, your own. So <clears throat> I went on my own. Because the father was Dean Harris' uh, actor. Yeah. A lovely yeah. Dean. Mm-hmm. But, you know, things, things changed out, and sure. life happens <clears throat> and that's another <laughs> story yeah. altogether. Absolutely. But he's a wonderful man and we adore him. Grain Shell, of course. Um, oh, I got, got that wrong. Great. Grinchill? Was he in Grinchill? I'm getting mixed oh, up. Oh, yeah, he else. did that. He played Jesus, too. Oh, he's probably Jesus in, in Grinchill. <laughs> <laughs> so things happened. Yeah. So, so Australia? I had to make a decision. My friend said, come to America. I didn't feel right about that mm. because that wasn't, to me, what I was going to do. So I had knew one person... In Australia, my father had been to Australia many times, and I thought, it's a warm country, it's a young country. Yeah. Uh, the, and the doctor had said, maybe a warmer climate at least will get them through. So yeah. I thought, I'll go for six months. See how it goes. See how it goes. Yeah. And everybody's saying, oh, but, you know, you've got this career to learn, to learn, to learn. Well, you know, hello, you, mm. that's not what you're thinking. You're thinking, this is what I have to do. So I picked up two suitcases, took two children at the most. I won't give you this story, but my, my journey to Australia... 
That is written in the play. Right. That is it. Right. It is okay. so good. So it's worth it. Not a well woman. We must reference uh, this. Uh, there's a lot of not a well woman that is true, and a lot that's mm. not. But this is a very okay. true. That plane journey was so amazing. Mm. It had to be written. Okay. Um, <laughs> and played all characters by me. Um, so I got to Australia. Well, you know, you suddenly, what the hell am I going to do? Yes. You know, agent. I'll look up. You know, because America. Get any extra work in Skippy? I only got it, into you know? the age. You yeah. know, I got America. I won't go to Aust- America. I'll go to Australia. It's mm. You know, boom, I'm over there. Um, and life took off from there. And the children didn't, you know, it, six months wasn't long enough and then I did come back and I did a play in the West End and the children got really sick again so I went Mm -hmm. back again and I basically started my life all over again in a country with as I say one person that I knew you know I had to try and organize how was it and I didn't go over there and say oh hello my name's Kitty Manny and I used to be and all that rabbit (laughs) I just thought if they asked me to carry the crumpets on in the second act I'm your woman (laughs) you know if you want a pommy Sheila I'm right here right you know, because there is a little bit of sort of, oh, hello, another pommy come over here. You yeah. know? But that all settled. You and are the original Wonder Woman, aren't you? Just not these... Uh, uh, you know, oh, I've done that, Africa. Yes. I've, I did the kids you to just Africa. deal with all these huge things in your life. Because I have like an you... adopted daughter from Africa that I bought back from Africa. Right. And put through school and um, college. Joycey Lukuku. And uh, so, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff goes on in life. You know, we'll miss all that out. That's a... You're formidable, Katie Manning. Um, formidable. Well, you just do, don't you? Just go. You just do it. Coming up in What Katie Did Next. And this woman came up to me. She said, now tell me, have you made any movies? And I said, well, no, I haven't been to Betty Ford yet. Well, if I could have gone through that floor. <laughs> people don't quite get our relationship. Yeah. You don't have to live with somebody. You don't have to marry somebody. Riding with my homies in my boom ya car. Heading for a pumping and a crunking at the Black Eyes Bar. I did set fire to Liza once, so I figured that's a... <laughs> I did. You better run, you better take cover. How could you possibly resist tuning into that one? What Katie did next, out soon. Look out for us on SoundCloud, Facebook and Twitter, plus soon to be iTunes and YouTube. But until next time, keep dancing. Keep dancing.